Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tonight, boats decorated in American flags and Trump flags lined up for miles down the intracoastal waterway here in South Florida over the Memorial Day weekend. I will recap the boat parade for you here tonight. And brand of junk economics called Kamalanomics is being pushed by Forbes magazine. And Steve Moore, who is a real economist, will join us to tell us how ridiculous Kamala's economic policies are. And we all want to know the origins of COVID, but how can we expect China to be forthcoming when Biden's own son, Hunter, is in bed with the CCP? Rudy Giuliani is here on that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. We start off tonight with a doctor's orders. Now, when you've been persecuted, it can often feel lonely. It's part of being persecuted. Uh, being around others, though, who feel they've been in the same pool of persecution can also be invigorating. And that was yesterday at the Memorial Day boat parade that took place in South Florida. Thousands of people gathered to celebrate in all that is great about America and all that makes America worth fighting for and also all that keeps the hearts of patriots bound together as one. Some of the most special moments yesterday were watching all of the homemade signs. I always enjoy that. One in particular that I enjoyed said landslides matter and I think that is going to turn into a classic. That's my prediction that we will see it over and over again. I also loved one moment where I was on a boat other than the lead boat, um, riding out in uh, to the lead boat with a group of friends of ours and their children. My children and their children were gathered in the open bow of their center console boat and Lee Greenwood came on their system and I noticed that every single mouth of every single child was singing the words of that infamous song, Proud to be an American. Not just some of the words, by the way, but every single word to that song those kids knew. Now, admittedly, I don't even know every single word to that song though I do love the song, but how impressive that those kids sat there and sang that all together in unison. I wish I'd pulled out my phone and managed to capture this moment on video because I wanted to show it to you, but the tears in my eyes honestly precluded my ability to do that in that moment. It struck me then that there is a great generation growing up under our wing, one that doesn't care about transgender bathrooms or what pronoun we use to describe them, as long as we know that they love God, they love their country, they love their families, and that they are going to fight for this America. They remember those who fought for it, and they plan to preserve it. There's a generation of real, honest-to-goodness, hardworking patriots coming up. And I'm proud to be the mother of some of them and proud to be locked arm in arm with you and other parents who are raising up a generation to do the same thing. These beautiful moments in life are so important to count. Sometimes it's okay to leave the camera at your side, to breathe in that moment so that instead of it being posted up on your Instagram, instead it's etched in your heart. Remember to do that sometimes. Not everything has to be posted on social media. 
So this summer, while you're out with your family enjoying this post-pandemic vibe, remembering what America really is all about and planning how you and your family will do the things necessary to restore our republic and to take it back from the leftist socialists who are trying to destroy it right now, remember, breathe in and take in some of these very precious moments. Take a deep breath in of your baby infant's heads. Those smells actually have oxytocin in them and completely change your mood. I actually learned that from my friend Hillary, who has a new baby and was at my house this weekend. No wonder I always love to smell my baby's little heads while I was holding them. Thanks, Hillary. And, and watch your dogs play in the yard. I studied, started studying this brain chemistry thing after learning about the baby head smelling. This also causes a positive brain chemical response. That's probably why I hold my little dog in my lap through the whole show. Uh, watch the love between the siblings you've raised. I didn't have any siblings, so I love to watch my kids together when they're playing or joking or loving each other. And enjoy the diamonds on the oceans as they sparkle for you. Breathe it in, lock it in your mind, almost as a gift to yourself and one to God just for giving it to you. That's my doctor's orders for you tonight. Ben Burkwam spent the week in South Florida with me at the boat parade and other Memorial Day festivities, and Ben has a report for us right now. Ben. Hey, Dr. Gina, what a, an amazing day yesterday, standing with so many American patriots, honoring those that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, there is an interview that I got to do yesterday that uh, hasn't been seen yet, and I want America to see it. This is my friend George. And uh, I am the national president for Born to Ride for 45. Um, I was one of the original bikers for Trump. I got about nine, since I started with President Trump before he was elected, I have about 90,000 miles on my motorcycles. And uh, I'm also a World Trade Center survivor. I was on the seventh floor when the planes hit. And I felt that my mission, that me leaving that, was for me to help support President Trump. We're talking about that today, and uh, service members, as we honor those that have fallen. It's not Happy Memorial Day. Talk to me about that. Yes. Memorial Day is honoring and memorializing all the men and women that did the ultimate sacrifice and the past that have served and have passed on. That's what Memorial Day is all about. The importance of it, we have to understand the reason why we do these events like this is to show how we have our freedom because of the sacrifices that they have made, which is very important. I have my We The People on this arm, and I have my son and my friend's son's dog tags on this arm that I wear proudly for him and for the sacrifices that he made. He died in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, yes. He was in. Uh, he went in with. He was a marine. He went in with six fellow men, and uh, they got uh, they got hit pretty bad. And they all got killed. He, when they rescued him, if, uh, in fact, uh, when they rescued him, he still had his rifle and his so pose. That that's how they found him. It was unbelievable. Really and, you, and you compare President Trump to what we have now. I call this, I hope I don't insult anybody, but I call this a communist regime. They are not Democrats, they are not liberals, progressives, they're actually communists because they do not love this country as much as we all do as Trump did. Because President Trump's agenda is America's first. And that's what he's writing on again. I believe uh, Trump will run for 2024. Uh, I've met him a few times, 
I believe he's going to run for 2024. I also believe that I have a great feeling that General Flynn will be his vice president because of the tours that he's doing. A good man. And I think Trump has to trust the right people behind him, which he didn't have the right people, because he listened to uh, what he is. And, and people upset. I mean, I come from New York. Um, and what Trump has done is unbelievable for this country. We knew what was going on, but he opened up eyes even more because that he, it's all about the money and how much China controls us. And it's unbelievable, even on medication, it's unbelievable. And it's China, and it, and it is a China virus. And I believe it was germ, germ warfare. I don't believe they did this on purpose to destroy President Trump. God bless you, sir. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And Real America's Voice, I listen to Steve Bannon, especially between 10 and 12. Great job, Steve. And you remember me about that chalkboard. <laughs> and that's really what it's all about, Dr. Gina. Every day should be Memorial Day. God bless America and the souls that have fallen to secure our liberty. Thanks so much, Ben. It was so great hanging out with you and great to see you. Coming up, Forbes magazine coined a new term called Kamalanomics. It's not a joke. They really did a big cover story on her idiotic ideas. We're going to talk to an economist who actually knows what he's talking about. Steve Moore, up next, right here. You won't want to miss it. Don't go away. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back. Kamala Harris was featured in the new edition of Forbes magazine, and it is a sycophantic cover story where they coined the term Kamalanomics, as if she has any clue what she's talking about. Check out this quote from Kamala Harris, the Kamala Harris uh, story. For women entrepreneurs, she said, and for all entrepreneurs, the pandemic has highlighted the importance of our nation's care infrastructure. For so many, care is the bridge to building a business. What in the heck is you talking about, Kamala? Let's ask my next guest. He actually does know something about economics, unlike uh, the current vice president. Steve Moore is here. And Steve Moore, I doubt, agrees with that. But we'll ask. Good to see you, Steve. Hi, Gina. Well, it's good. Things are finally getting back to normal around here. But I had to laugh when you mentioned uh, Kamala Harris and uh, giving advice about female-owned businesses, because I don't think Kamala is Probably, I know she's never started a business. I don't think she's ever even worked for a business. I mean, she's a lawyer and she's a politician. And for her to give advice, I mean, this is the problem with the current administration, isn't it, Gina? I mean, you put together uh, Joe Biden and, uh, and uh, Kamala Harris, and you virtually have zero private sector experience. How, how in the world would they know anything about starting a business, meeting a payroll, meeting the expenses of business, the heart, you know, the heartbreaks you go through when you have a bad year or and how to make a profit. Uh, you know, I'm not saying they're bad people. They just don't know what they're talking about when it comes to business. 
You make such a great point, and one that I try to make often on the show, that if you don't have experience in the private sector, then I just don't understand how you can possibly relate to a business owner. And America's really built on the backs of business owners. That's what America is really all about. And I don't think she has a clue about that. If they did, they wouldn't tax them, agnosium and all the rest of it. Um, but this whole concept of care infrastructure. Now, she's not talking about the kind of caring that really is necessary for a business. And it is the kind of caring that you're talking about, where when they take away uh, all of your profits with taxes and you really care that you have to cut your workforce down or you have to cut their benefits or their hours or their paychecks to pay money to the government who's taking it all away from you pretty much so the government elected officials in power can maintain their power um that is something that we do care about but that has nothing to do with infrastructure well, also, it has nothing to do with, you know, a person's gender either. I mean, there are millions of small business women out there and there are millions of small business men. Why do we have to be make this about men and women? Right. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you're exactly right. You know, when I when I helped write the Trump tax cut, we cut the small business tax from uh, about 40 percent down to about 29 percent. We wanted to cut it more, but we couldn't get it down any lower than that. But that was a that was a pretty nice lift for small business men and women. I can't tell you how many of them came up to me in a couple of years after we passed that tax cut and said, "Thank God that was a god that was a godsend for us. I was able to you know hire uh, some more workers or purchase new equipment or machinery, expand my business. That's what it's all about." Now I want to mention one other thing, uh, Gina. That's probably equally important right now is finding workers, finding workers to run a oh, restaurant. Yes. To working our restaurants and working our shops and working in our stores, working on construction sites. Uh, all of these small businesses are suffering from the fact that the Biden administration, something that uh, policies that Kamala Harris has strongly endorsed of paying people more money not to work than to work. Now, look, I believe in a safety net. I've lost jobs. Uh, you probably lost a job in or two of your lifetime. You know, we want a safety net for when people go through that trauma. But right now we're paying the non-workers more money in many cases than the workers. And small businessmen and women throughout, from coast to coast, from Maine to California, are telling me, you've probably heard this yourself, I can't get my workers back on the job because Uncle Sam is paying them so much. Now, how is that, Kamala Harris, good for small business? Right, exactly. The Chamber of Commerce admits there's a worker shortage, like you're talking about, but they call it a national economic crisis. But that's not the scary part of their headline, because they always know what the Chamber of Commerce means when they say they want more workers. That means they want to keep the borders open, and that's what the Chamber of Commerce always means when they say that, which is not the shortage of workers that we need to address uh, to right our economic, quickly declining economic situation at the moment, correct? Yes. And I want to mention one other thing, because there's so much to talk about here. The regulatory front, you know, the regulators coming into businesses at the OSHA or the EPA or others telling small businesses you're in violation here or you're in violation there. And, and regulation could put, could put our small businesses out of business. Now, did you hear this one, Gina, that uh, in his budget, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to add 75,000 75,000 new IRS snoops and agents to go after our small businesses and, and oh, you know, living in their stores. I mean, how in the world is any of this helping 
America's small businesses. And we didn't even, I got to get this off my chest. I'm so angry about this the day after Memorial Day, that outrageous speech that Kamala Harris gave at the Naval Academy. I just thought it was so outrageous for her to, to make it an excuse to talk about this left-wing environmental agenda and so little about the great servicemen and women who keep our country safe. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm glad you did, because the minute I said her name today, I wanted to say that, but I knew I had to focus on the topic. So I'm really glad that you're the one <laughs> I'm not so constrained. <laughs> but no, really, it tells you a lot about her. You know, obviously, she doesn't know anything about the military. And she goes there. It was insulting, I thought, didn't you, to, to our men and women and our military? Well, I, the, the Democrats love the word insensitive. You know, they used to love to call Donald Trump's tweets all the time insensitive. Why are they not out outraged at the insensitivity to the millions of military families that have sacrificed in, in horrendous ways uh, that she completely insulted in that speech? You're absolutely right, Steve. Steve, your column today at The Hill, um, it asked this question. $2 trillion in taxes, $6 trillion in spending, $22 trillion in borrowing. What could possibly go wrong? Well, what could go wrong, Steve? Uh, you know, it's just disgusting to me. You know, I, I'm so outraged by this. And I, look, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Everyone knows we're not going to make this country rich by bankrupting our country with debt. And, you know, the $22 trillion over the next decade of debt, Gina, that's almost more debt than every country from George Washington through Donald Trump amassed. Not quite, but almost doubling our debt in 10 years under the Biden agenda. You know, we, we're done with COVID. We had to borrow money to get through this terrible crisis. We shouldn't be spending $6 trillion more. If Joe Biden really cared about this country, we would find ways to save money on our budget so we could start paying back some of this debt, not adding $22 trillion more debt. I, I don't even get the logic of that. And by the way, that doesn't even include the $2 trillion tax increase that we started this conversation with. This is economics turned upside down. It will damage our country for not for years, for decades, for generations. We'll pay for these mistakes. And I just pray that the Republicans do not go along with this. And I hope there are some fiscally sane Democrats left in Congress, Gina, that will stop this, uh, you know, fiscal express from going over a cliff. You know, millions of dollars to your kid and your family um, when you're vice president, then you become president somehow, some way, whether it was really happened or not, it, it is. And uh, you go basically hawk your entire country to the same country, China, that uh, gave your family millions of dollars. For me, Steve, I don't understand why we're not trying people for treason right now because I've never heard a more definite situation uh, that needs to be explored uh, than this one. I'll just say this, Gina. I do think yeah. that people, even some of my more liberal friends, are sort of scratching their head and saying, why is Joe Biden doing this? And I believe Joe Biden's agenda is to erase everything that Donald Trump did for this country, whether it was good for the country. And look, not everything. I don't agree with everything Donald Trump did. I don't think you do. But I think most of the things he did for the country were really positive. And he always put, you know this, you've talked to him many times. He always put American workers and American businesses first. Sometimes I feel like we're putting China and India and Japan and Germany and Russia first. I mean, look, he, he okays a Russia pipeline, but not an America pipeline. I mean, explain that one to me, Gina. That makes no sense. No sense at all. No, I do have to admit, Steve, that uh, Donald Trump does order his uh, steak well done. And I have always questioned the character of people that do that. So there is that. I, I just don't understand why anyone would order. How do you order your steak, Steve? Well, I, I, look, I think Donald Trump did so much for this country. 
And I think that we we were on a path to rebuild the country. We had the we had the uh, Operation Warp Speed. The vaccine is one of the greatest accomplishments in your and my lifetime. Millions of lives will be saved. So thank you, Donald Trump, for that. And I told you, but I told you on your show, I said, just watch. Joe Biden's going to try to take credit for the vaccine, and he's doing that, right? You do know that Donald Trump is like my favorite friend, personal <laughs> yeah. president. I think he's the most amazing thing. The only thing I think of that he does that I, I really that just question. That's with you yes. and him on uh, Air Force One, right? Yes, absolutely. But but the well That's done so steak cool. thing, though, Steve, that I just don't cool. I just don't get that's the one thing I don't get. But, uh, but anyway, uh, we'll have to save our steak conversation, I guess, for another time. And, and, and maybe I owe you a steak just since I threw that weird little zinger at you at the end. Steve Moore, always appreciate you and your economic genius on uh, this program and uh, really everywhere. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gina. Have a great week ahead. Take care. All right. You do the same. All right, our illustrious Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has now flown down to Central America. He is meeting with all the leaders of a few nations there to beg them to do something about the flood of illegals coming across our southern border. For some odd reason, Blinken didn't make a stop at our border, and neither has Kamala Harris, even though it's been 69 days since Biden put her in charge of fixing the Biden border crisis. Now, this Biden border crisis is one of the reasons why my next guest says he's got to run for governor of Texas. Don Huffine says the state of Texas could finish the border wall in that state. Don Huffines, it's great to have you here. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Gina. It's great to be on your show. All right, so now if the state could finish the wall, then why has this already been done? Don't Republicans run that state? And how would you do it as governor? Well, I can tell you, I think that Texans are very frustrated. All Republicans are across the country. We're tired of being lied to. We're tired of these broken and empty promises like our governor makes of securing the border. He said they keep saying they're going to secure the border. The border is more wide open right now than almost it's ever been in history. I was just down there last week, and I don't you probably know that in the last 30 days, 175,000 illegals were captured by Border Patrol in one month. And they capture about 30%, they say, of, of the ones crossing. If this isn't an invasion, I don't know what is. This is an invasion of the Texas border. And I think it's premeditated by the Biden administration. And that's why you don't see the vice president coming down there, coming to the border, checking it out, because they want this border open. And as governor, the only, let me, let me get something real clear to everybody. This, the only chance we have of saving Texas and hence the United States and the free world is with a governor that's got the courage to close that border. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish Trump's wall. I'm going to build it soon as we can. And I'm going to close those 25 crossings that we have over that river. And I'm going to close them in one day. And you know what? I am not asking permission from the federal government to get it done. This is Texas's border. We fought a war over that border. It was defined with the blood of Texas patriots. And we're not giving it back to Mexico. I'm hearing Daniel Boone echoing in my mind, you can all go to hell, I'm going to Texas. And actually a lot of people are going to Texas these days. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, here's the thing that I think is gonna happen. I'm just being honest with you. I think if you do that, you become governor and you do what you say you're going to do. And I believe campaign promises will be kept uh, these days because I think Donald Trump set a standard uh, that, that people have to keep their campaign promises anymore, uh, at least on our side of the aisle. Um, but, uh, but I want to ask you this. 
Joe Biden is not he he's not out of the business, let's say, of punishing states like Florida, like Texas, like South Dakota and others who don't play by the rules that he thinks you should play for. And I'm not even saying that Joe Biden is competent, but I'm saying his puppet masters, you know what I mean. And so so my question to you is, you know, they'll send illegals into your state anyway, even if you do close that wall. Do you have a plan how you would stand up to the Biden administration after you closed off your wall and they start importing illegals around the edges of your state in other ways? Well, I can tell you this, that the first thing you got to do to, sh to close that border and get our border secure in Texas is have a governor that champions it. And right now we've got a governor uh, that is really the definition of a rhino. A lot of people might not know that, but he is. I mean, this is a guy from your last segment. Y'all were talking about uh, our vice president doesn't know anything about small business. I'm a businessman. I'm full of common sense. I love our constitution. I love Texas. I'm a fifth generation Texan. But my opponent's never signed a paycheck in his life. 30 years of being employed by the government. And, and so we need people down there that have courage. Courage is the, is the catalyst for all virtues. It's the tip of the spear. And, and this is Texas. And I can tell you, we've been, we haven't had our swagger in years, and we're going to get it back. And that's my goal is to get our swagger back. Look, I don't care what the Biden administration says. I care about what Texans want, and I care about the United States. And when I just said that this is, I want to say this, this probably is the most important election in 22, undoubtedly, because this border is wide open, millions millions of illegals are pouring into our country, our state, and they're never going to leave. The Biden administration is going to give them amnesty and we're going to lose Texas. We lose Texas. We don't just lose the United States. We lose everything. Checkmate. Game over. We need Don, leadership. No excuses. Yeah. Don, the Texas election integrity bill is in limbo right now. Is it going to get the governor's, get to the governor's desk there? No, it won't. Uh, it got killed by the Democrats on the last day of our session. Now, he has authority, of course, to call a special session and maybe bring that back up. I don't know what he's going to do. But this is a failed administration any way you look at it. The fact that thing even came up on the last day shows it was a failed, uh, it's a failed policy by our governor. A governor has no leadership abilities, unfortunately. Just look, not only is the border wide open, but we have no confidence in our elections. We don't have any confidence that our votes aren't being stolen. We know people cheating in elections. There's no question that people cheat. We know our taxes. We have some of the highest property taxes, if not the highest property taxes in the nation. And they go up and up every year. The government owns everything in this state, and they, as it does in the nation, on all real property. And Texans are tired of renting their homes from the government. And under a Huffines administration, I'm going to phase out property taxes once and for all and give all Texans a chance to vote on that. We're going to get it yeah. done, and it starts in the, in the governor's office. Okay, well, I have to ask you, because Steve didn't get my joke, how do you order your steaks? <laughs> I like it. I like a lot of red in it. <laughs> all right. I knew. I knew a real Texan would never order a well-done well done steak. And, and when you win that race, Don, and, and you get to meet face-to-face -face with uh, our 45th president, you got to have a talk with him about how he orders a steak. That's just that's all I'm saying. It's just got to have it. Uh, well, Maybe I, he'll I, take it from a Texan. I love Trump. 
Trump is the best president we've ever had. And, and he's the one that really illuminated the fact how important the border is, how important I'm telling you, it, there's nothing more important uh, going forward than making sure we have a secure state of Texas and 100%. our country. No, 100%. He absolutely prioritized it. He kept his promises. I love that you are, uh, your priority, your, your campaign promise is to uh, fulfill the rest of that, that uh, the Biden administration has tried so desperately to rip apart. Don Huffines, he is a candidate for governor of Texas. I'm hearing great things out of your campaign. Don, best of luck to you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here. Can I tell everybody to go to donhuffines.com? That's H-U-F-F-I-N-E-S. We're going to win. You just did. You just did. Thank you so much, Don. All right, coming up, crime is on the rise in New York City, and Rudy Giuliani says he knows how to fix it. Mayor Giuliani, he's up next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. Now, New York City used to be one of my favorite cities to visit. I used to fly there at least once a month, sometimes more often to do some TV and other things, but the city is not what it used to be as crime is skyrocketing. On Memorial Day, in a six-hour period, 13 people were shot, including a 15-year-old boy who was killed. Zero arrests have been made thus far in those crimes. Crimes involving New York City transit are up over 97%, and those involved subway crimes like this one that shows two muggers slashing a man with a knife and beating him and robbing him. And there it is, thank you. And that happened in Midtown Manhattan. And the police just released that video hoping that these suspects could be identified. But right now, they are still on the loose. And there's that disturbing video of a black man attacking an Asian woman in New York's Chinatown district. You can see this man here sucker punch this woman as he walks by, and he was not provoked that we can see in any way whatsoever. At least officers were able to arrest that man, but he has 40 prior arrests on his record. What the heck is happening to New York? Well, there's one person who knows New York and New York City crime and New York City crime reform better than just about anybody in the world, and that is the one and only America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Mayor, great to have you with us. How are you? Doing well, Mayor. What is happening to our beloved, your beloved, but I mean, we all share that love for New York City. What is happening there? Well, first of all, we're led by a so-called progressive Democrat, and we have in place the policies of progressive Democrats, which are friendly to criminals and extremely unfriendly to those who are victims of uh, the criminals' crimes. So in the course of about a year and a half, we've passed a no-bail, which means that unless you're about the most violent criminal possible, you're let out immediately after being arrested. So, you know, we arrest somebody for temporary interruption from their stealing cars or mugging people. or Then uh, we have, a, that, was our, that was thanks to our governor, Cuomo. 
thanks to the progressive mayor of New York, we have a police department that's completely demoralized. He's taken, he's defunded, he's taken a billion dollars of the police department. That was right after a year where we had a record increase in murder and shooting. Record in the history of the city. He decided the best thing to do is shrink the police department. He, uh, he wants to fight guns, but he did away with the unit of 600 police officers whose expertise is taking guns out of the city called the anti-crime unit. I started them with Bill Bratton, and I think uh, everybody, including Bloomberg and Brent Kelly, would tell you it's the most effective unit for taking guns out of the city in any police department in the United States. Since between Bloomberg and I, we reduced homicide by 80%. So in one year, he, he increased at 50. And he's increased shootings last year 100%. This year, he's challenging that. Um, some, some days, it feels like New York City is a shooting field. He's a terrible Did mayor. But he's not he, much he worse is. than the mayor in about eight other Democrat cities that are going through the same true. thing. I mean, people of cities have to understand. I know this sounds terribly partisan, but it's true. You cannot entrust Democrats for the state. They will ruin it. They'll bankrupt it. They will be friendly to criminals because that's their constituency. And they will hurt people. And the people that hurt the most are the minorities. And do you, do you ever hear from um, liberals there that are seeing the problems that you're seeing and, and coming around on this? Because it seems to me like everybody would want their city to be safe. This is a nonpartisan issue. Well, here's what I can say about de Blasio. Nobody defends him. You know, uh, there are people who defend Cuomo. There are people who defend Biden. And, of course, on our side, there were always people who defended any of our controversies. I've never seen an American politician that has no one that defends him. So I do a then radio show every day. I do a radio show every day, and I challenge people to come on and defend him. Even tell them I'll give you two minutes for free. They don't come on. Hmm. I don't think even but, but how is he how is he reelected mayor? How how is it that every single time these people no one defends him, but somehow at the ballot booth they're reelected? Is it is it all fraud? No, 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 no. In the case of New York, I can't say it's fraud. I would say it's um, reflexive Pavlovian democratic voting, where they make no connection between the, uh, the de Democrat Party that makes all these uh, big big promises to them. And then uh, performance. For example, uh, let's, let's take the minority, the, the African-American community. African-Americans are about 65% in favor of school choice and vouchers. There's not a single Democrat in the city that supports school choice and vouchers. They support instead the teachers union that controls them the way the Communist Party used to control, you know, the people who worked in Russia. The teachers union is a menace to American children. And they have a real menace to African-American children in particular. Okay, I want to turn the topic. I hate to because I could talk with, to you about New York all day long. People do have to listen to your podcast, which is amazing. They'll get a ton of this all the time. But I want to turn the topic over to the origins of COVID for a mo moment just because we have limited time. Well, that's good. Biden won't press China on that topic. It's no wonder why. Son Hunter Biden is entangled with the Chinese Communist Party, the CPCP, and we all know that. He has business dealings into the billions, really. We always say millions, but it's really into the billions uh, that he secured while traveling with his father, on Air Force Two when Biden was vice president. Um, Mayor, this is a big problem, and you know a lot about this. Tell us. Well, first of all, uh, 
there's no uh, question that Biden is under the thumb of China. A couple of reasons. Over a period of about six or seven years, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party has given the Biden family tens of millions of dollars. Not a few dollars, tens of millions of dollars. Also, I have the Hunter Biden hard drive, and it is extremely disgusting and compromised. And if it were ever looked at objectively and not subject to censorship, it would show that the Biden family has been involved in crime for 30 years. And Joe is the head of the family. Half the money goes to Joe. And those are the words of Hunter Biden in a text, not Rudy Giuliani, Hunter Biden. By the way, it didn't come from a Russian. I have nothing to do with Russia. It came from a merchant that he left his hard drive with. Not the only hard drive this man has lost. He's lost two others. But if I have that hard drive with unbelievably disgusting, compromising pictures, as well as text, can you imagine what the Chinese have? I have a portion. Great point. They got the whole thing. You don't, you don't think the Chinese have been compromising this guy for years? I mean, he, he acts like a criminal. He's a completely yeah. reckless man, Biden. Uh, right, right on the tape, we've got his kids admitting that they kicked back to him. You don't think the Chinese well, it, have that? Right, and and the ones who don't have the hard drive are the Feds, who apparently weren't interested in it. Oh, well, they have it. They don't want to use it. Don't want They've to use it. They've had it for two years. Uh, amazing. They could have used um, it. To, they could have used it to completely rid Donald Trump of the second uh, of the second impeachment and the first. I'm rather the first impeachment. I mean, it makes it clear everything that's now coming out in the post that Joe Biden was heavily involved in Ukraine. When he said he didn't know about his son's business, he was completely lying, as usual. He not only knew about it, he met with them. He clearly, his son clearly violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act that they're going after me for, for one act. He did it about 18 times. And also, and there's hard evidence of that. We all know now. Hard that we're all seeing right this all the coming out. The are right there. Yeah. How yeah. about how about Hunter buys a gun, puts down that he's not an addict, and there's a picture of him five days earlier with a crack pipe in his mouth, smoking it while driving a car. I mean, that's that's ten years in jail for an ordinary person, but he hasn't not been a for day. a yeah. privileged buyer. No, certainly not. Certainly not. And thank you so much for being here, Mr. Mayor. And don't forget to check out his podcast called Rudy Giuliani's Common Sense. All right. Now, you remember this story. Major League Baseball's decision to relocate its all-star game will cost Georgia businesses $100 million. And that's just a disaster pretty much for all of the minority-owned businesses in the Atlanta area, area, among others. But... Somebody out there, thank goodness, is doing something about it. Job Creators Network has now filed a lawsuit against the MLB over that decision to move the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. And the president and CEO and good friend of our network, Job Creators Network, uh, CEO of Job Creators Network, is with us now, Alfredo Ortiz. Great to see you. Alfredo, tell us about your new lawsuit and what you were demanding of the MLB. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, we're we're you. we're uh, you know we're we're at this point where we have had to file a lawsuit against Major League Baseball. But I'll tell you, Gina, that uh, it wasn't our first uh, our first thought. We've actually, for the past couple of months, pretty much as soon as he decided to move the game out of Atlanta to Denver, uh, which was only about four days after Governor Kemp actually signed uh, the bill into law. 
uh, we, we kind of sprang into action. We put up a couple billboards up in Times Square uh, trying to get his attention only a couple blocks away from uh, his office there on Park Avenue. Uh, we took a full page ad out in the New York Times. Uh, you know, we sent letters to his offices. We even had protesters going to their headquarters asking him, pleading him to read our letters. But guess what? Zero, nada, nothing. Nothing happened there. And so, look, this is where we are now. Uh, we filed a lawsuit in federal court. And what we're asking for, Gina, is two things. One, move the game back. And if you can't do that, we want a relief fund set up for our small business owners uh, in the state of Georgia to the tune of $100 million, which is the roughly estimated economic impact that the move uh, had, uh, you know, moving it from Atlanta to Denver. And what are businesses saying who are affected by this um, and who could be helped by the lawsuit? Yeah, so it really just hit last night. We, we, uh, we had a, a very, very busy Memorial Day weekend just putting all of our uh, final I's uh, dot and T's crossed on this one. And so we filed it late last night. Um, and so it really hit uh, today. And so we're getting the word out to small business owners as much as possible. We're getting a lot of uh, emails, as you can imagine, and phone calls of folks that frankly have been probably uh, a little afraid of speaking out. Uh, Gina, this may uh, or may not surprise you, but um, uh, sometimes when folks speak out, especially on the small business side, they get visits from people. Surprise, surprise. Mm. And so they, uh, they tend to not want to then speak out and they just figure, look, I'm just a small business owner. This is just, I guess, what's gonna, the way it's going to be. Uh, I may have to close my business. And look, we just, we can't allow for that. They are having enough of a struggle already, Gina, after the COVID uh, disaster that 2020 was for them. The ones that have survived, it's been a miracle, and they're barely surviving, uh, you, you know, from a day-to-day -day perspective. And so for Atlanta's uh, local owners, local business owners, this was a really, really big deal having the game here. And so, uh, you know, they're going to be excited, I think, with the potential that they may have some kind of relief coming to them. And so, um, you know, we're looking forward to that. And again, we're looking at an expedited uh, uh, hearing or at least, uh, you know, for the judge to look at this on an expedited basis because we are somewhat running out of time. But look, it's not because of us. It's because of the, the Major League Baseball and the commissioner who really refused to, to address us in any way on this one. Very interesting, and I love that this is a free market approach instead of a government, uh, make people dependent on government approach, which is what That's Job right. Creators Network has really always been about, and uh, you spearheading these sorts of things um, all the way along is uh, why we love thank having you on the network. Thank you so much for being with us, Alfredo Ortiz. Th th thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. You do the same. And coming up, there is a law being floated in California that would ban boys and girls sections in department stores. I'm sorry, it's not funny, but it, uh, it's just so unbelievable. We're gonna tell you more about that law and what it would do up next. How are you gonna go baby shopping? How, how are you even gonna, I, I mean, even the pet section has a boy pet and girl pet section. I should know. You have some news you didn't know too, and it wasn't that. We have other news you didn't know. So you're gonna wanna stay right here. Dr. Gina Primetime, more to come. Don't go away. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's time for news you didn't know. And here to help, as always, from our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, Jessica Rivera. Jessica, I hope that you had a great weekend. It's great to see you. It's great to see you too, Dr. Gina, and I hope the same. I saw you were on the boat. It looked fabulous. Not my experience here in Denver, as we are not close to any sort of water, but it looked nice. But Dr. Gina, the founder of Black Lives Matter chapter in St. Paul, Minnesota, Richard Turner, is now a former member of the organization. Turner says just a year and a half after founding the chapter, he left for, quote, learning the ugly truth about BLM. The former BLM chapter founder got involved with the group in 2015 in the hopes that lives of black Americans would improve through education, rebuilding families, and black communities. But Turner says BLM actually has little to do with promoting the welfare of black lives and instead has raked in millions off the blood of black people killed by police. This comes after BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors resigned for controversy over her being an alleged scammer. According to property records, Cullors owns four luxury homes, totaling close to $3.5 million around the country, not to mention the many uh, black mothers of those black Americans who have been killed by police who have also come out against BLM, and they say the organization is a fraud and is taking advantage of the situation. And Dr. Gina, I don't think this information comes as a complete surprise to you or myself, but I do find it surprising that people actually think in today's world they can get away with this kind of spending when they're running a supposed charity, when there is a very clear public and uh, very clear, you know, the, the public records are there and it, there's a paper trail. That's what amazes yeah. me about this whole story. But I commend Richard Turner for coming out with the truth, knowing he would be shunned, and because this was back in 2017 that he actually came out. And I commend him for continuing his goal, even after, which is to positively affect the lives of black American families and communities through education and sensible policing. So to that I say, we need more Richard Turners in this world, people who hold integrity higher than any value of money. Wow, again, a story that I don't know how you come up with this stuff, Jessica, but just amazing. Thank you so much for letting us know about that. You're welcome. All right, it wouldn't be a day that ends in why if we didn't have a crazy story out of California. A lawmaker there has proposed a bill to ban separate girls' and boys' sections in department stores. Here with me now to discuss RAV, RAV contributor, rather, Drew Hernandez. Drew, thank you so much for being with us. Tell me, is this what Californians are concerned about these days with a state that is in as, about as much disarray as a state could possibly be in? Absolutely. Uh, this is definitely targeting the minds of young children, okay? Because if you can alter the mind of a young child, that is definitely going to alter the outcome of their future. So in my opinion, I think this is child abuse because they're shoving this stuff down the mouths of children and you're seeing it in the pop culture. But at the same time, it's one thing to target adults, Dr. Gina, but it's another thing to target children. So I absolutely do believe that parents should seriously take this stuff serious because if they don't, the people are just gonna continue to experience this stuff and the federal government, the local government is just gonna continue to target their children. And it's very alarming. True, there's also a story of a woke Portland teacher out of Oregon. Uh, this woke teacher warned during an equity summit that was compulsory for teachers to attend that if they don't want to teach critical race theory, 
um, that they are like pedophiles and warns they'll be fired if they don't. Wow. I mean, really think about it, right? Think about the ideology. Isn't it very alarming that these people just assume authority over your children? They just assume that they have the best interest for your children, that they're somehow the guardians already and you don't know what you want or you don't know what's best for your children, but they do. Uh, that is literally classical cultural Marxism because Karl Marx literally believed in separating children from their parents. Uh, so that's why you're starting to see this in the Marxism that's coming in the education. It's not just in universities, obviously. It's K through 12. But this is why you're starting to see this because you have these cultural Marxists that are so-called educators uh, that have these belief systems. So it makes total sense uh, why these uh, so-called educators are wanting to separate children uh, from their parents, or, or they assume to have the authority or the best interest of the children, when in reality, the parents are the ones who have the best interest for the children. And all of a sudden, now these people claim to be the authority over kids. I think parents need to seriously push back and say, no, uh, these are our children. We know what's best for them, uh, and we'll teach them what we want to teach them. And you don't get to define terms as an educator uh, in this country. All right, Drew, I'm glad you're here because it is almost the end of the show, and that means it's time for our meme of the day. This meme is a play on the comments made by Kamala Harris when she called Memorial Day weekend just a long weekend. And you can see in the photo what a long weekend is for our fallen heroes who stormed the beaches of Normandy in World War II. Drew, a very short comment. Sorry, we're at the end of the show. No worries. I mean, I think it's very clear. Kamala Harris makes these comments on Twitter because she obviously hates this country. She might as well just tweet that. I mean, at this point, I think people yeah. would respect her more if she just came out and said, yep. I hate America. Yeah, well, right? she basically did. Yes, thank you, Drew. And thanks to you for joining us here on Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B. Next, hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, live the truth. Good night.